You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. I haven't seen that one yet this year. Anybody, have you seen Santa Claus is coming to town? Okay, now well, now you have. You've seen the closing credits anyway. That's the one with the Burger Meister Meister Burger. The guy breaks his leg and all the on the toys and all that stuff. You got the uh, the Winter Warlock. I think you saw him there, and his heart uh, melted. His heart of ice melted, and he took one foot in front of the other, and soon he was walking across the floor and out the door. Remember that, yeah? And uh, Fred Astaire there was the one singing and driving the uh, driving the the, the mail mail truck, and he was a narrator. Mickey Rooney, I believe, was uh, the Kris Kringle character uh, looking through his magic snowball in order to see who had been naughty and who had been nice. And so we discovered that we needed to watch out because Santa Claus was coming to town. That can be exciting. Santa Claus is coming to town, and so we're excited about that, right? But it also, there's an element there that instills a little bit of fear, I think, right? We're kind of scaring our kids and guilting them a little bit, uh, because if you're not watching out, it could mean trouble. You need to be good for goodness sake, right? Uh, there's an expectancy about Christmas. It's coming, so we should act a certain way. Uh, I mean, if, if we don't, then we could get coal in our stocking, and that would be bad. So throughout this Advent season, we're, uh, we've been waiting for Jesus. We're not just waiting for Christmas morning. Although that's that's part of it. In just eight days, we'll be celebrating that Jesus came as a baby born to set the world free. We're waiting for that celebration. We walk through those days of Advent. We open up the uh, the little doors, or we write, light the candles, and we we walk through the process as we as we look ahead to celebrating Christmas morning. That Jesus came. He he he, uh, he he promised that he would that he he would usher in his kingdom and uh, and and uh, and and he came. He, his spirit continues to live with us now, and, and yet he also promises that he will come back again. And so, in the waiting of Advent, it's not just about waiting for a celebration on Christmas morning, but also waiting for our Savior to return. Again, uh, he will he will come again, and we will see him face to face. He will he will uh, he will wipe away uh, pain and and fear and and death. He'll get rid of the awful influence of sin, and we have that to look forward to. But for now, we have to wait. I'm sure it's just because I'm more sensitive to it because I'm preaching about waiting. But I, I told Rebecca this week, I said, I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm ever going to preach on uh, waiting again because it seems like every time I turn around, I'm having to wait somewhere. I'm in line somewhere at the store. I'm in, tra- I'm in traffic. It, it's just, I, it's an, as my, my mother would say, it's an opportunity to practice patience. She's so holy and nice and good. I just get mad, and uh, no, it's it's about the waiting, and it's not just waiting for Christmas, although that's part of it, but we're waiting for Jesus to come again. So my question then is, as I think about that, okay, we're waiting. Well, how do we wait well? How do we how do we do this right? I mean, we could just hang out and distract ourselves with the stuff of life, and 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 we're pretty good at that, I think. Uh, we we distract ourselves a lot of times as we wait. We talked about that a little bit last week. The things that we do in order to pass the time. 
But uh, I told you part of, uh, last week I told you that part of waiting well is uh, is telling other people about what we're waiting for, telling them about Jesus and, and, and the fact that he has promised to come again. Because if this is real, if, if this, is, this is really true, then it matters not just for us, but for everyone. And so we should be spreading the word about it and letting people know. I think also uh, another thing that should characterize our lives while we wait is that we need to be doing exactly what Fred Astaire told us that we needed to be doing. Uh, you better watch out. Jesus is coming to town, right? Um, several times in the gospel, G- Gospels, Jesus admonished his disciples to watch out or to keep watch. Uh, indicating the last days, the, 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 the time when, when he would come again. He, he told them that no one would know, would know when this was coming, but just like with, uh, with, with Santa these days, Jesus says that we need to keep watch because he's coming back. Why, why would we need to keep watch? What's involved in keeping watch? Well, one thing that, that, that is involved in keeping watch is that we're expecting, right? We're anticipating, we're hoping. All of that is wrapped up in there, and that's, that's uh, great stuff. But I think most of all, when, when we hear the words keep watch, it means be prepared, right? If you don't expect someone, then you're not ready when they come. Have you ever had unexpected guests at home? And you're throwing things in the closet and you're uh, pulling on your... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Back in the 1950s, there was a six-year-old boy in Denver named Paul Haley who was dying from cancer. And his story hit the newspapers, and and along with that story, he shared his fondest wish. Uh, What he wanted uh, was uh, that uh, to, to meet the President of the United States in person. And at that point, that was Dwight D. Eisenhower. So one day, quite unexpectedly, uh, Eisenhower, who had caught drift of this whole story and, and had, uh, had, had uh, heard about this boy in Denver, he announced to his age, we need to work out a trip to Denver. We're just going to pop in on this kid. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna meet, uh, we're going to fulfill his dream, and, uh, and I'm, I'm going to meet him. And so they, they traveled to Denver, and they, they had a limousine uh, there, and they, they drove up right outside uh, Paul's front door, uh, right, right, parked right on the street there, the flags flying, the presidential motorcade and all that stuff. And, and so Donald Haley, Paul's father, answers the door in jeans and a t-shirt and doesn't know what's going on and had nothing, wasn't expecting any of it and, and said, can I help you? And, uh, the story goes that, uh, that, that the president said, yes, I'm Dwight Eisenhower and I'd like to meet your son. Shook the man's hand. The little boy was right there, obviously so excited. And uh, uh, the the president invited him to to come outside. And they talked for a while. And he wanted to see the presidential limousine. And so they they looked around. And and he asked questions. And they spent the uh, spent some time together. And, and and all of that. And all of that happened while Donald Haley stood in the doorway, awestruck. They say that his neighbors talked about it for years. They say that Donald talked about for years how unprepared he was to meet the President of the United States. He was standing there in old jeans and a dirty t-shirt as the most important man in the world shook his hand. If he had only known, he could have been prepared. There's no way that, that he could have known, so he wasn't watching out. He wasn't anticipating a visit from the President, so if he was, he could have been prepared. A few weeks ago, uh, Rebecca went to uh, to Michigan to vis- visit her sister for the weekend, and, and we knew that she'd be coming home uh, sometime on Sunday evening. 
So although we weren't necessarily glued to the front window uh, watching for her, there were several things that we made sure happened on Sunday afternoon in preparation for her arrival. May have had something to do with the vacuum cleaner and some dishes and some other cleaning things that needed to happen. We were anticipating her arrival. We were expecting it to happen, and so we got prepared. And I think we did all right. Yeah, okay. I think all of that uh, is included when Jesus says, keep watch. He told, he said it several times and he told several different stories or parables about it. Uh, I think the most well-known is, is found in Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14, uh, about a, uh, a master who went away on a trip. And so we're going to look at that story this morning. Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a story about being ready for the master's return. There's that phrase in there, whether you've been around church uh, uh, a long time or not, maybe you've heard this phrase before, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. I, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I want to uh, want to hear, right? That's the, to, to hear God say, to hear Jesus say uh, at the end of time, at the end of life, to hear him say to me, well done, right? You, you, you done good, you know? Uh, that'd be pretty awesome. So the question is, well, what would it take for that to happen? Uh, what does this story tell us about what it would take for that to happen? While the master's away, while we're waiting for the master's return, what would it take for him to be pleased when he returns to us? Two of the servant, servants in this parable received that greeting from their master. Well done, good and faithful servant. So we can look at their lives, what characterized their lives. And if, if we can discover what they did, then maybe we can do it too. And God will be pleased with us when all this waiting is over. 
So we read the story there. He, they actually did a lot of stuff, not the least of which appears to have been investment banking. So I guess if we get good at investment banking, then God will be pleased with us and he'll say, well done. And I don't think that that's, I, I don't think getting savvy with your 401k is, uh, is the essence of this story. The essence of this story uh, of what these two servants did that we can emulate, I think, can be character, characterized in one word, faithfulness. These servants were faithful. Their master left. While he was gone, they were faithful, and probably in several ways, at least a couple that I want to highlight today. And the first is that they were faithful to the relationship. These two servants uh, seem to, actually all three servants, seem to have known this master pretty well. I mean, he, they, he knew them well enough to trust them with some of his fortune. Uh, it, this would have been quite rare in the uh, the... the, the the culture of that time for a master to enter into a long-term business partnership with three of his servants. Uh, so there must have been a level of trust there, uh, a, a close relationship that had been established. These servants all demonstrated that they, that they knew the master's character. Only the third one actually says it, but, but we can see by their actions that the other two knew it too. This guy was a good businessman who demanded hard work and excellence in what he did. They knew their master well. So the, the, the first two servants came to their master excited upon his return. There was a level of respect and, and also admiration, trust, affection. Uh, because they knew their master well, they knew how to please him. If you and I are going to be welcomed with open arms by God in eternity, the first step, the first thing is that we need to know him. There needs to be a relationship. We need to deeply desire to please him with our lives. Jesus said elsewhere and, and that, that, that he and he alone is, quote, the resurrection and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. John 3.16 says that the only way to experience everlasting life is to believe on, his, on God's only son, Jesus. We have to know the master. Part of being ready for his return is that we have to know the master. It's really the essence of it. Uh, do you know him? Will he be excited to see you? Will you be excited to see him? Is everything up to date? Or are there, are there cobwebs in the corners of your spiritual life? Uh, bottom line, while we're waiting for Jesus, we need to maintain our relationship with him. That's the main way that we know that we're ready. That, that relationship is, is the whole entire reason that Jesus came uh, at Christmas as a, as a baby in a manger. He needed to restore the relationship between God and humanity. So he left heaven and he became Emmanuel. Uh, literally, the, his name means God is with us. He left a perfect life, uh, a perfect life, a perfect existence in heaven, uh, became a baby, uh, born helpless in a, in, in a manger lived a perfect life, overcame death and sin, rose from the dead and returned to heaven. And now, as Philippians 3.20 says, now we eagerly await our Savior from there. But we won't be excited about Jesus' return if we're not ready. If there's a, if there's a problem, if you haven't been faithful to the relationship, eager anticipation turns to dread if there's a problem in the relationship. You know that. And if you have a relationship with someone and you know, you know that they're coming and there's been some strain there, uh, instead of you're, you're anticipating their visit, but you're not eager about it and you're actually dreading the encounter, right? 
Anticip- eager anticipation turns to dread if there's a problem in the relationship. So how do we make sure that everything is good? Well, first of all, we, we have to start that relationship. Scripture says that it involves confessing our sin, repenting of our sin, and, and asking, asking uh, God to, uh, believing in, in Jesus and who he is, and then asking him to fill our lives. Uh, confessing in him, believing in him. Romans 10.9 says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It begins that relationship with him john three sixteen. god so loved the world he sent his one and only son whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life we have to ask our question uh, the, the question to ourselves this morning how's the relationship have i have i stepped into that relationship am i pursuing that relationship with god it, it begins with confession and with belief, and then we have to follow. It's not just a one and done. I I prayed the magic prayer, and now I can go on and do whatever I want to do. There's a there's a remaining in contact with 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 God in this relationship, even while He's away, right? And through His Holy Spirit, we can do that. We have all sorts of ways of remaining in contact with people these days, right? We can phone, call them on the phone, or email, or Skype, or Snapchat, or text, or FaceTime, or live stream, or you know whatever. All many, many more. We can even, you can keep in contact with people by pulling out a piece of paper and getting a pen and writing on it, and you can fold it up and put it in an envelope, and the last I checked, the post office is still delivering mail. You can actually keep in contact with people even when they're not here, and and we need to remain in contact, close contact with Jesus, even though he has left and he's coming again someday, we need to remain in contact with our master even while we're waiting for his return. How do we do that? Well, there's... Uh, a host of ways that we do that. Prayer is a is a big thing. Uh, uh, opening our Bibles and and spending time in God's Word. There's this amazing book that 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 has been has been provided to us to stay in contact with God. We can spend time in services like this and and worship Him and and declare our our love for Him. We can serve Him by using the uh, the gifts and talents that He's given to us. Uh, we need to know God and His love closely, deeply, in fresh new ways each day. We have to remain in close contact with the Master even while He's away. Uh, if we're going to hear "Well done" after the waiting, we need to be faithful to the relationship. Faithful. We also, in the midst of that, we need to be faithful to our responsibilities as we're living when the master is away. This master here in this in this parable left his servants with some pretty hefty responsibilities here. I mean, in the parable, the master gave out bags of gold. So maybe you're saying, well, God, if you give me a bag of gold, I'll be faithful. I promise, right? It's not, again, not quite the point. God has given us so much. Everything that we have is a gift from God, and all those things then have to be managed well. Not only our material possessions, but but even our time, or our health, or our intellect, or our relationships. Ephesians 5.16 says that we need to, quote, make the most of every opportunity. Your master, Jesus, has given you so many resources and opportunities to make the most of. Part of being ready Keeping watch until Jesus returns is being faithful to the responsibilities that he's given each one of us. In other words, don't waste time while you're waiting. 
something you need to know about uh, about these responsibilities. They're specific, they're unique uh, to each of us because responsibilities are determined by our abilities. Responsibilities are determined by our abilities. If you're a parent, you, 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 you know what I'm talking about here. You don't expect your two-year-old to do the laundry or to clean their room. But you might, but you should expect your 12-year-old to clean their room and do their laundry, right? You don't give a 12-year-old the keys to the car, but a 16-year-old who has gone through the the, the training and, and who has proved himself uh, or herself reliable, then they get to drive. Responsibility is determined by ability. We're not all created equal. You have gifts and talents and abilities that I could never dream of. Uh, we, we've been cre- created uniquely by God, each one of us with a unique set of abilities, and not everyone is great at everything. Not everyone is good at business. Not everyone can sing. Not everyone is, is uh, good with technology. Not everyone is artsy or organized or a people person. We could go on. We're all different, right? And that's part of the joy of what it means to live life in this world. <laughs> We're all different. Responsibilities are determined by abilities. Long time ago, a- Antonio, uh, Antonio's voice was, was high and squeaky, so he couldn't make the tryouts for the Cremona Boys Choir. When he took violin lessons, the neighbors persuade his parents to make him stop. Yet Antonio still wanted to make music. His friends gave him a hard time because his only talent appeared to be whittling. When Antonio grew older, he served as an apprentice to a violin maker. His, his knack for whittling turned into a, a great skill for carving, and his hobby became his craft. He worked patiently and faithfully, and by the time he died, he left over 1,500 violins, each one bearing a label with his name, Antonio. Antonio Stradivarius. They are the most sought-after violins in the world. Uh, They say they sell for more than $100,000 each. Antonio couldn't sing, (laughs) couldn't even play very well. But his responsibility was to use his ability, and his violins are still making beautiful music today. I'm sure that I've I've said this before. I don't think it's ranting, but... um, I don't agree with the prevailing thought in our culture today that tells our kids you can be anything you want to be if you just try hard enough. I guess maybe it's up to me to dash your hopes this morning. Uh, you can't be anything you want to be just if, even if you just try hard enough. Uh, but you are expected to be faithful, to use the unique blend of gifts and talents and abilities and resources uh, that, that God has given you to be the best you that you can be while you're waiting for Jesus. We don't envy other people's talents, other people's bags of gold, right? These three servants all had differing abilities, and their master knew them intimately enough. He knew them enough to, 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 to see what potential they had and to give them uh, exactly what they needed, exactly what, what they could manage. And you have what you have because God believes that you can manage it well. He doesn't hand you roller skates and say, go fly to Africa. He gives you what he wants you to use in order to be faithful with that and accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. And he, but yet he expects you to use what he does give you. Here's, here's an interesting thought. If the five talent person had, had only invested three talents, uh, three bags of the five, 
kept the other two back, if he just invested three of those bags, he still would have made more than any of the, either of the others, right? Still would have made more, uh, more money than either of the others, but he wouldn't have been a good and faithful servant because he was expected to use everything that the master had given him to do his best to be completely faithful to the responsibilities that he'd been given. So if I want to be a good and faithful servant, after all the waiting is over, not only will I get to know the master and remain faithful to that relationship, but I will also be diligent to use the gifts the master has given to accomplish his plans in the world through me, being faithful to my responsibilities. My dad, uh, my dad died over four years ago, July 22nd, 2013. Some of you met him. My dad was not an imposing figure. In fact, my dad was pretty much the opposite. He was quiet and introverted and introspective. My dad preferred a computer screen over a football game, <laughs> a quiet book over a night out, a, and classical symphonies over rock and roll. There were times when, uh, when I caught him listening to Gregorian chants. He had a kind, compassionate heart. He was generous with his time, with his attention, with his money. He was, he was quite wise and witty, but you usually needed to pause and kind of lean in in order to hear the wit <laughs> because it wasn't just jumping out and, and yelling it out to you. And it was very good for me to be around my dad because it made me pause and lean in <laughs> so I could hear what he was saying. Of course, when he was diagnosed with cancer, it was a difficult, tender time for our family. And things moved rather quickly. And, and as we held vigil by his, his bed in the hospice facility for over a week, there was, there was certainly sadness, but also peace. It was the peace, the peace that comes from a life well lived, I believe. After he passed away, we walked through all the, the decisions and activity that, that happened. Uh, with the, with the funeral home and the funeral service and the meals and family came and many of you came and, and, uh, it was a special time and celebrating the, the wonderful, wonderfully unique life that was my dad. After all that activity died down, my mom had to make some decisions regarding my dad's final resting place. He'd been cremated, so uh, so she had some time to do that, and she she decided uh, on a cemetery just a, a few miles away from her home, and and then she talked to the folks there about a gravestone and and uh, and uh, just a marker there in the in the ground, just uh, virtually flat, almost flat with the ground. Um, of course, it has his uh, his name on it, and his birth and death dates, has a little uh, uh, depiction or picture of, uh, of the, there's a, a cross with two, two, uh, two rings or two, uh, yeah, two rings that, uh, that was actually the topper of their wedding cake. And so that picture is on there. And, and, then, and then my mom decided on one word, <laughs> one word to be inscribed in this piece of granite for everyone who would, who would pass by. <laughs> one word to summarize a legacy, one word to describe a lifetime. That word is faithful, faithful. I'm convinced, <laughs> I'm convinced on that July evening, on that Monday night in that hospice facility in 2013, as we stood and cried and hugged together after my dad breathed his last breath here 
on this earth, he was being welcomed at the gates of glory with the phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. Faithful. That legacy has to live on in me. It, it just does. And I'm sure that many times I, I drop it and I have to pick it back up again. I want to be faithful. Not just faithful to the legacy of, uh, of this, this man who, who raised me and poured his life in, into me and poured his life into so many others, but faithful to the God that he was faithful to. Faithful to this life that God has entrusted to me. Right? I, I want to be faithful in my relationship with my master, Jesus. I, I want to keep things up to date. I, I don't want to any, let anything slip. I, I don't want to, I don't want to slide away or, or, or hide certain things, but I want everything to be out in the open and transparent. And, and that relationship has to stay up to date. And I have to be faithful in the responsibilities that he's given me to use the, the life that I've been given, to use the relationships that I have, to, to use the, the resources that I have, to use the, the abilities and the gifts that, that, that he's given to me. I need to use those things to be faithful to this life that has been entrusted to me because there will come a day when our watching and our waiting will be over. <laughs> we will see our master face to face. And so we need to keep watch. You better watch out. Be faithful. 